tell five of your closest friends and five people you've never met before. The more you can vocalize it, the scarier it becomes, but the more tangible it becomes. And, you know, you're now holding yourself accountable to other people. Some of them might laugh at you, but some of them might say, you know, do that and surround yourself with people that say, do that. And then say five people you've never met and see what their reaction is and, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but find the people that encourage you to do it. And, and those are the people you want in your circle. Welcome to the All In Podcast, where we dive into the mindset, habits, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. In All In, you can expect real and raw conversations with athletes, coaches, and leaders on topics like mental health, mindset, psychology, training, wellness, habits, and much more. We hope to leave you feeling empowered with motivational stories, relatable experiences, and actionable advice. And I know that I personally walk away from each episode learning something new. In this episode, we are joined by Connor Emony, Ironman athlete, ultra runner, and the youngest person in the world to complete an Ironman on six continents. In this episode, he shares how he achieved his goal amidst a global pandemic, how to build mental toughness and push through discomfort, the lessons he learned running 100 kilometers, the importance of patience, and much more. I've been following his journey on social for a while, and he revealed that he's working on a book on his journey called All In, so of course I had to have him on the show. So without further ado, let's go All In. Connor, welcome to the All In Podcast. I'm so glad to have you on here. I know you said you're from Vancouver, now you're home in Toronto, um, and you have just become the youngest person in the world to complete an Ironman on six continents, which you did so in the midst of a global pandemic, which is like mind blowing to me. I think it really defines going all in and like doing everything uh, you can to make something happen. So how did this challenge even first start for you? Like what motivated you to even take it on? Yeah, thanks, Natalie. So excited to be here. Um, obviously, yeah, it's a, it was a big challenge going through the pandemic and everything. But the way it started, um, I was actually, you know, went, went to university in my first year. And um, like most people do, try out for a few different clubs. And the story goes, I was trying out for the triathlon team uh, with two friends. And problem was one of them couldn't swim and the other one, you know, his bike popped in the bike portion. So I was the only one that ended up making the team. Um, and when I made the team, I ended up competing with this guy named Ben Rudson and Ben, uh, eventually went off to complete, complete an Ironman and come 14th at Kona in the world championships. And this was a guy that, you know, I went head to head with, and I just thought like, this was the most otherworldly feat I've ever heard. And I couldn't fathom it. And I became obsessed with this whole idea of, you know, an ordinary person doing an extraordinary thing. Uh, so I sent him a text after he did that. And I think it was like 2016 and said, I'm going to do an Ironman in 2020. And, you know, it kind of all, all started there. That's amazing. And like, how did it go with the pandemic happening? Like what date was your first race? And did it, I, I think I was following your journey actually for like almost since the beginning on LinkedIn. And I saw you posting updates and like, obviously, you know, races were shifted and things like that. So walk, walk us through that whole process. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the first race was March 7th, um, 2020. And I remember it so vividly, it was in, you know, New Zealand. So, I kind of, um, you know, left my corporate job and, and moved halfway around the world. Didn't know a single person, but knew I wanted to do this race and, you know, trained six months up to the race, eventually did the race. Um, and one week later, it was like March 17th or 10 days later, you know, St. Patrick's day. 
the world's all in happy places. And then the next morning people are, you know, this outbreak of COVID hits and, you know, going into uncertainty and, um, that left a lot of people with, you know, losing jobs or stuck in certain countries and whole, um, kind of myths of emotion. And to me that hit pretty hard too. So I was eventually, you know, let go of my job, stuck in this foreign country and left with just completing the biggest challenge I've ever done to, and feeling on top of the world to 10 days later being like, now what? And mm-hmm. dealing with all this uncertainty. Um, I was supposed to be in New Zealand for two, two years. And it's like, do I go back to Canada? Eventually got on one of those emergency planes back to Canada. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot to process, but that was the beginning of, you know, my introduction to Ironman. And at the time I thought I was just going to do one race. I didn't know I was going to do, you know, six on six continents. Um, but in that kind of period of losing my job and accomplishing the first one, I started to get the itch to do the second one. And that's when I read about a girl, uh, I believe her name's Jackie Bell, an Australian girl who was the youngest person to do an ultra marathon on every continent. And I thought, wow, I wonder if anyone's done this for, you know, the Ironmans and, uh, started reading into it. And the youngest person was 32 years old. And I thought, um, you know, this is something that I want to do. I learned so much from the first one. I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but something I just etched into my brain and set out to go all in on it. And I knew no matter what, like I was going to stick through it. I didn't think this pandemic at the time was going to be here for the duration it was or how, how intense it was, but you know, through all the challenges decided to stick through it. That's incredible. And I'm so curious, did you have an athletic background? Like as a child, did you take on any sort of similar challenges in other sports when you were growing up? Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, playing every sport you can think of. I think from, you know, competitive hockey to the ping pong team at school, like every, <laughs> anything you can think of, but predominantly did cross country and hockey. Um, grew up in Toronto and went to St. Michael's College School. So played on the hockey team there. And, you know, they have um, some incredible athletes that go through the program. And I didn't really realize it at the time, but I was in gym class with Jake Evans, who's now in the National Hockey League um, on Montreal Canadiens. And then, you know, to my left, it was Justin Knight, who's Canada's fastest 5,000 meter and just ran in the latest Olympics. So I think through osmosis, you're kind of bred to learn these skills and these mindsets of these kind of elite people before or elite athletes before you even realize that they're these elite athletes. And I was never the fastest nor, nor the best hockey player, but I loved the the whole process of getting better and fell in love with the process of getting better. And, you know, would oftentimes be maybe the slowest person on the cross country team, but would love showing up to practice and, and just the camaraderie that came with it and the whole idea of getting better each day. And my first kind of introduction to long distance running didn't come till like 2015. And I think I did my first marathon then. And it was a disaster. I got wheelchaired out and didn't, didn't know about nutrition. And, um, but you go back and you, you become more resilient and, you know, your, your kind of threshold is pushed a little bit further each time you do something that's challenging. Right. And that, that totally makes sense. And I see a lot of athletes who came from different sport backgrounds, then finding Ironman, especially because they say endurance peaks a little bit later compared to, you know, strength and power, which might be a little bit younger in other sports. So like, are you going to continue doing this for a long time? Do you think? 
You know, that's a, that's a good question. I think it's, it, it was such a big goal for me and, and took a lot of work to do, you know, six and five of those were in the span of a year, just over a year. So three and three months, like my body took a bit oh of a beating. Um, but yeah, I do think it's something here to stay. And I think it's just the beginning for me in terms of endurance sports and adventure. And um, I think it's a special community and, ter- and types of people that like to endure these a bit sadistic kind of experiences, but putting your body to the absolute limits to see what you're capable of. And the Ironman group specifically, the, the one commonality was everyone was there showing up because they wanted to be better. And I found that was really motivating. Hmm. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with the right environment is so important. And that's something that I wanted to ask you about was exactly about that mindset. Ironman has such a, like you require such a mental toughness mindset. I think it's similar in a few different sports where you're really pushing, you know, that end end range of endurance or that end end range of, um, fitness or things like that. So like CrossFit, um, uh, OCR in some ways, I think MMA is, is pretty mentally tough as well. And then Ironman, um, for sure, where other things have a little bit more strategy and tactics and, you know, you're working with teammates and things like that. So what is that mindset? Like, how have you cultivated it? And like, how do you actually build it so that when you're in the middle of that tough point, whether it's in a race or it's in training, you're able to push through it? Yeah. Great question. I think, uh, a few things. One, is just do hard things. Um, you know, it sounds so easy, but it's, it's really not. I think as, as, as simple as waking up and making your bed to jumping in and doing a cold shower, you know, like being resilient from the get-go or as soon as you can, as early as you can, um, over time, you, you kind of build this calloused mindset of this is something I can work through or something I can get better at. And, um, I think it's a mindset that's always evolving, you know, just because you can do, well, one day and one race doesn't necessarily mean that's always going to be the case. So it's constantly working on it. Um, but to me, what's really helped is surrounding myself with people that do extreme things or, or constantly want to improve themselves. And, um, one story I could share is, is a, is a friend of mine named John Pockler who ran 900 kilometers, um, and across the Bruce trail, which is Canada's oldest and longest marked footpath. Um, goes from Tobermory to Niagara Falls. And, you know, he asked me to help crew him. And at the time, I, the furthest I ran was the, the marathon. So to go and see somebody run 100 kilometers a day for nine days um, and wake up, you know, completely battered, didn't know like left from right, where like I was carrying his food, feeding him, and he just kept going and going, really opened my eyes to like what we're capable of or how resilient humans actually are. And um, I think witnessing that threshold, uh, automatically puts yourself into that mindset of something that you can achieve further than what you thought previously you could. Um, so yeah, developing the mindset I think is, is really about surrounding yourself with people that do it or, or want to do it, um, and challenge you to do certain things. Um, and one thing that I've adopted is just like picking one challenge a month. Uh, so I'll try for, you know, 12 things in 12 in, in the year. So one of them would be taking a 30 second cold shower every day. One of them would be doing no coffee for a month, even though I love coffee, it's <laughs> like a challenge, um, or, or pick and choose your, your things that you want to get better at. 
I love that. And I think like the concept of challenges is one that it's like pretty simple to implement. Like I'm just not going to do this or I'm going to do this every single day. And it's people often overlook it, but it's like the simple things are the things that are going to get you better. Like being consistent and building that over 30 days builds a new habit. And then the next month you can add in another one once you've kind of stack that other one or learn something about yourself in that like mini month experiment of all of those challenges that you've done, obviously, aside from the major one of all the Ironmans, which one would be like the most beneficial one that you found? Like, was there any crazy insights that you found with stopping coffee or any of the other ones? Um, you know, so in January I did, uh, veganuary. So I tried, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being vegan for the month and I'm not, I'm not necessarily a vegan, you know, right now. And I don't think there's, you know, there could be a whole interview just on that, but I think the whole idea of like, don't bash it till you try it. Um, to me, the idea was let me educate myself on the benefits and the, the kind of the subtlety that I added to the challenge of of doing it was that I had to make, you know, 90% of my meals. So yeah, you can do January and maybe buy most of your meals. But to me, I wanted to understand what am I putting into my body? Um, how does my body react and what are the benefits? What are the consequences? So I would definitely recommend people try, you know, it doesn't have to be a week, but it could be, or, or sorry, a month, but it could be a week. And, um, just to kind of learn what your body, how your body responds to it. And that could be the same for any, any diet or just change up of of food. I think what you put into your body is so important and, you know, the inputs result to the output. So the better you can eat, the, the better you can kind of perform. I'm so curious how it went for you because I did a challenge like that as well for a a YouTube video and I did a week of yeah eating vegan and I'm allergic to nuts so that like really limited my vegan options so of course I really couldn't go out to a vegan restaurant or do anything like that because they have so much cashews and things that would kill me Um, but I have uh, two friends who were former uh, CrossFit teammates of mine who came fourth place at the CrossFit games last year um, on a team. And out of their whole, the team of four, three or four of them were vegan. So I was like, how have these people like reached, you know, almost on the podium of the CrossFit games, but being vegan. And I was like, and I stayed with them before and I always knocked it, but I had the same mindset that you had of like, don't knock it until you try it, but I am def- I'll share with you how it went for me, but I'm curious how it went for you first. Yeah. I'd love to hear yours as well. Um, to me, it was challenging. I'm not going to lie. I like to think I'm a pretty creative person, but I ended up eating, you know, the same things over and over again. And I found to me, that was the limiter is I didn't, um, you know, I, I like to be busy and I didn't have like the energy to go and like read a recipe for a new dish every day. And I think we're creatures of habit. So it's just natural to want to eat the same things. And I ended up eating, eating avocados, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it just, uh, it felt, it felt a bit tough, I think for me. And then the second thing I noticed was I did actually have more energy in the day. I felt like I didn't need that second or third coffee. Um, but my stomach felt like it shrank you know, and when I went back the following month, like it was hard to actually eat meat again. It was hard to eat the same size portions again. And I think it might've even just been a psychological thing, but I felt like I wasn't eating as much for the amount of kind of activity I was doing. And it kind of got to me that maybe it's not as healthy and and it could just be an education thing of, I could eat more of X or Y or Z, but ultimately I, I had a great experience on it. I just, um, I found like my, 
for the, the amount of kind of activity I was doing that I would want some other foods that I've grown up on. Okay. How about yeah. yourself? I, similar experience. I would like my track session times like plummeted. I okay. was sleeping really badly because I wasn't getting enough calories in for all my activity. So like my training was just, it was like, I couldn't keep the paces. It usually would have been pretty easy for me. I couldn't keep up like workout times. And then I think my strength was like relatively, I mean, it was only a week again, but literally after about three days, I like was waking up in the night with like, I don't know if it was just low. I think it was probably just low blood sugar. And I was like, I'm so hungry. And it was similar. It's just so much work too. And when you're training all day and doing different things, it's really hard to, to make those meals. I think it definitely takes like a lot of practice and also like there's certain foods I like, I like to stick to my normal foods, especially I think a lot of athletes like that, where they have kind of that routine, they're in a rush, stick to those main pillars. And so to change it up and try to like, oh, I don't really like this, but like, it's the only vegan calorie dense meal I can find. So I'm like forcing myself to like eat this tofu and whatever, when I don't like it, it was really difficult. So yeah, I, the next week, actually, I think I like PR'd my mile time when I was like not even hitting my previous mile time paces at the track that last week. So I was like really happy to get it over with and like get back to eating more food. Yeah. But it's good. Uh, like mental, you know, resilience, if you're, if you're doing something and you're in a routine of eating, then just to change it up and whether that's, you know, pescatarian or, or whatever it is. Um, actually one of the mentors I had on this Ironman journey, his name is John Rag, and he's done most Ironmans out of any human on, on the planet. He's, I think he's currently at 272, that's might great. be 273 or four. Um, but just an incredible human being and him and his, his partner, actually Elizabeth, she holds the record for the most female, um, Ironmans. It's 102. Um, and his piece of advice to me was in terms of nutrition was the less legs, the better. And it's kind of a heuristic, you know, approach of, you know, pretty, pretty simple, not like scientifically maybe backed or maybe it is, but what he said is the less legs, the better. And what he meant was like, you know, four legs as a cow is red meat is not as good for you as three or three legs, maybe two legs. <laughs> I don't know what that's three legs, but two legs, um, you know, a chicken and then um, zero legs would be a fish and kind of that's his approach. And it's pretty simple, but for somebody to accomplish what he has that resonated with me. And, um, I think on the whole, I do try and limit as much red meat as I, as I can, but if I'm going, you know, to a function or that's, what's being served, I'm not going to, you know, omit it, um, kind of thing, but that's something I've just been trying to, to gravitate towards, especially when I'm kind of getting closer to, towards a race. Interesting. And yeah, like now that we, we kind of talked a little bit about your nutrition, what was the training? Like what, what did your training look like for training for the first Ironman? And then like, I'm actually, I'd be curious to know, yeah, how it was for the first one and then how, like, what did you learn and how did it like progress as you got more experience? Yeah. You know, I I've done six now and I think I could still learn from them. You know, it's <laughs> not, you, you pick and choose each one and um, things you can't really prep for are like weather conditions and, and other things. But in terms of nutrition plan for my first Ironman in New Zealand, um, I, I kind of just asked people around me what they did and found that a lot of people use gels or comprehensive carb mixes. Um, what I didn't realize was you could actually have a drop bag with food in the first one. So like 
something a bit more calorie dense or you're looking forward to. And a lot of people, what they do is on the bike portion, you can actually pick up your bag um, and they'll put like something they're really looking forward to or craving. And that could be mm. like a donut or a sandwich or a slice of pizza or whatever you, whatever works for you. Right. Um, and I didn't have that in the first one. So I just relied on gels and, you know, by hour eight or nine, I was just like, man, I feel so sick. Um, I, I can't even have another gel or the thought of it is just so like, so I think I bonked pretty hard in the first one, but it's all a learning experience. And, um, for me in, in gearing up to each one, I learned a little bit about what responds well to me, but a huge difference from the first being mostly gels, um, to the last one I did zero gels. Um, and you know, I, I packed like avocado sandwiches, um, after the swim, I'd have, um, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on my bike. So I could get that in as soon as possibly. And as soon as possible. And to me, what responded well was denser foods, um, kind of complete, complete proteins. And then what I found complemented it was actually a comprehensive like mix that you put in your water. So I think the one I used was from a company called knack and, um, just like had slow, slow, uh, releasing protein, um, mm. you know, enough calories that you're, you're not like at a crazy deficit and it was easy to get down. So the, the blend between that and the solid foods really responded well to me. Right. Like I think a lot of athletes don't practice like what they're going to eat on game day, but it's actually super important because you might not digest the same as like when you're relaxed and in training and between sessions versus yeah. When you're like in the heat of everything, like I know in the sport of CrossFit, a lot of athletes will go and it's like a three day competition on the weekend. And they're really struggling to like eat a meal after they're just, you're in like this really high stress state. So then you're not eating, you're not recovering and you need to eat almost like way more than you usually do than in your training because of the high demand of these workouts that you're doing. And it's, it's definitely like a big learning curve from, you know, first competition to later. So it's cool to hear that you've kind of been tweaking it throughout and then like training schedule wise, like, like what is your training schedule look like like i we actually we had a triathlete on he's on i think he's on the u23 canadian team cool. and he's shared that he's like training like eight hours a day it's crazy actually he is vegan i'm pretty sure which is also crazy um you might have you have to check out some of his stuff because he i think he does post he posts some stuff on tiktok of like what i eat in a day like five thousand calories as a you know vegan triathlete which it just blows my mind i'm like i can't i would not be able to do that but yeah what does your training schedule look like yeah so i mean typically in a week i would do three bikes three swims and three runs um so typically structured monday wednesday friday i would wake up and do a swim and then um on saturday and sunday i would do a longer session so saturday i would typically do a brick session which would consist of you know maybe a swim and a bike or usually a bike a longer bike ride off the bike onto a run and then, um, on Sunday I would do a long ride. So that's trying to get, you know, four to five hours in the saddle. Um, but yeah, I would probably train around 18 to 20 hours a week, um, you know, on top of working and living and, um, it kind of, it comes with a lot of sacrifice, but a lot of reward and, uh, yeah. So three times a week swim, bike, run. And I think, you know, 
in my first one, I trained with a team, Auckland City Triathlon Club, which is awesome. And I'd highly recommend people trying to get into the sport to find like-minded people because you just hold yourself accountable. You have better programs, but there's for the following five, you know, through the pandemic, it was really up to me and showing up to the pool each day. And I really like YouTube how to swim. Like I, I wasn't a strong swimmer and it's kind of a funny story. Like I would just, I was went moved to Vancouver and when I think it's Canada's national swim team swims out of their uh, UBC campus. And I just started showing up there swimming three or four times a week. And then one of the coaches was like, you know, what are you doing here? Like <laughs> you're in here as long as like our, our people, like our, our swimmers. And I was like, um, and I would just sit there and like watch them. And I was like, Oh, I wonder like if I modify my stroke this way, I could get better. And I told him what I was doing and he, um, his name's Ben Keast and, he, he was so incredible. He just like helped me, you know, create a, like create a plan and came into the pool with me and would start like coaching me. And, uh, just because he, he liked what I was doing and wanted to help me kind of become a better swimmer and saw me showing up each day. And, um, I know this is like a long tangent, but oh, I think, super cool. um, yeah, I think, you know, you don't, the moral of the story is you don't have to be good to start. You just have to start to be good, you know? And, uh, I think that's kind of what I tell a lot of people that have reached out to me for the Ironmans is, um, you know, swimming isn't a natural thing. I certainly wasn't a swimmer, but you just keep showing up and it could be anything in your life. You just keep showing up and you'll eventually get better. I love that, like through showing up and like putting yourself out there, all of a sudden you connected with a coach, not just a coach, but a, a really great one um, mm -hmm. to other great athletes. And like, because you were watching them and like, he could see that you were, you know, passionate about learning. He took interest. And I think that's so cool. And, um, you know, should tell people like, you know, don't be afraid to, to reach out, but also if you, you know, have good intentions and you're really putting in the work, other people will also recognize it. 100%. Now I want to go back to, back to like the journey of doing all these Ironmans, of course. And throughout that whole time, like what was the single biggest obstacle or setback that you faced and how did you, like, how did you take it on? Oh man. Um, I'm sure that there's probably quite a few, even like within races themselves. Yeah, there, there are definitely a few. I mean, the, the obvious one is race cancellations. Um, I think that was so tough for me because, you know, you train so hard and, um, you put your body through so much and you make sacrifices with friends and family and, you know, going out. And I, I like to think I'm a social person. So saying no to a lot of things was really tough. And then, you know, I trained for three or four months, super, super tough, super on it. And then, I get a, an email, like, you know, two weeks before the race that it's canceled. And it's just like, you, you just want to throw your head through the wall. You're like, why, why did I do all of that work? But the whole idea of like staying ready, um, I think is something that I learned. It's like, you know, there's never going to be a perfect time. Things aren't going to go your way, but what can you control? And you can control just showing up, doing the work and, um, when it's right, it's right. And sure enough, you know, I was upset about, that one not happening. And then I had to, I ended up doing, you know, three and three months in September, October, November, back to back to back. And I think that like, instead of put, lifting my foot off the gas, I channeled that frustration into training even harder. And I was like, this gives me more time to get better and sharpen the tools. And 
um, you know, going from the first race to second, my primary objective was like, I want to beat my times. And so I like beat my time in that race. And I was just so proud of myself for like all the work and sacrifice. And I think that's what it's about is like you versus you at the end of the day, just like showing up and, um, discovering through these races, through this pain, who you're becoming. Oh yeah. I like that. I appreciate you sharing that. And that leads to, I, I wrote down a couple things that you've posted and I want to like ask you for the deeper thoughts kind of, or explanations behind them. And the first one I want to ask you about is that you posted that patience is one of the hardest things to work on. Um, how are you personally working on building that patience? I know you kind of just talked about it, about controlling what you can. Um, and why is patience such an important trait to build for athletes, but really for anyone? That's a great question. Um, there's actually feedback I got, I think in, you know, one of my first jobs from one of my managers, um, was, you know, you're, you're, you're talented, you're ambitious, but one of the biggest lessons you can learn is to be patient and like good things come to those who wait. And it, I battled with that for so long. It's like, why do I have to be patient? Like, why can't I have it now? Right. Why can't I do this now? And I think being like an ambitious person is hard, but really what, what patience is distilled into is a lot of times things happen. Like, I think there's a quote that goes along the lines of like, the harder you work, the luckier you get, you know? And like when you're putting your head down and doing things in and not expecting things, that's actually when they come. It's a bit counterintuitive, but to me, it was like, okay, if I just keep focusing on this one goal and, and back to this whole theme of the podcast and go all in on it, you know, I don't know when this kind of silver lining moment's going to come, but I, I like, it'll come as long as I keep, keep showing up and keep being focused on it. And I think being patient is super hard and it can be in like a business, starting a business, you know, you're an entrepreneurial entrepreneur. Words are hard. You're (laughs) entrepreneurial minded and you want to start your business and you know, you, you fail or your, your sales aren't going great or you've come into your own roadblock. It's like understanding that, that's part of the process of getting better, um, being okay with that discomfort and then leaning into that discomfort, you know, instead of brushing it off and say, Oh, I'm just going to fail forward. Or I'm just going to like, you know, take that as a lesson is like sit with that feeling of feeling like, why, why did I fail? Like, how do I feel right now? Do I want to feel like this again? And turning that into like a learning experience, but also something that you can kind of, like anchor to, you know, it's like, instead of brushing it off, like being like, oh, I'm upset this race, Ironman race got canceled. I was so looking forward to it. It's like, how do I feel right now? Like, am I frustrated? Yes. Am I anxious? Yes. Am I like filled with uncertainty? Yes. And write about it and, and realize that it's part of the process of, of getting to where you want to be. And when it's funny, like, you know, you look back on it and these past two years went, went by it like that. But in the moment it's like, Oh, what's the point of even doing this anymore? Um, so yeah, I think being patient is just such a valuable skill and really hard to articulate and hard to learn, but the more you can do things to slow down and, you know, appreciate where you're at and be present, I think the better, the better results will come. 
I appreciate you sharing that and diving deeper into uh, into that post. I like that one. Um, I, the next one is I have from three lessons from running 100 kilometers. Was that 100 kilometers? Was that when you were pacing that other guy who was doing like 100k a day, or was it different? No, that was um, that was different. So, but it stemmed, you know, two or three months after that experience. So I, I saw, I thought, like, you know, I saw this guy run 100k a day for nine days why can't I run a hundred K? And so I just set out a date and was like, I'm going to do it. And I did some longer runs, you know, like a marathon and 80 K leading up to it. But, um, yeah, the hundred K was a challenge I did with my brother, one of my brothers, Alex, and it was a hundred K and then trying to summit the height of Mount Everest about 8,000 meters or, or whatever it might be. But yeah. That's crazy. All right. Well, there's three things that you, you put or the three lessons. And so I'm going to ask you if you, if you want to like expand on your thoughts on them. The first one was choose courage over certainty. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always easier to pick a stable and secure path of, you know, this is, this is something safe in my life. This is what I can fall back on. If, if anything else goes wrong, I know I'm going to have X, Y, Z in my life. And I think to me, like courage is doing something in the unknown and it comes back to goal setting for me. It's like, when I think about my goals, I write them down. And if they don't scare me, then I'm not dreaming big enough, you know? And, and I think certainty is like, you know, you're, you're writing a goal down, you know, you can do it like, what's the point of even writing it down? It's like, do something that if you know, you can run a marathon, like maybe, maybe write down, run a 50 K if, cause that scares you. Then, then you're starting to get, get, get into this courage element. And I think that's where the real growth happens. And even if you fail, right, you go and run 43 K you, you surpassed your expectation and you have a new benchmark to work towards. So to me, it's about understanding like when you think about something, ask yourself one more time, what would scare me if I wrote it a bit further and, and use that as the courage lever. I love that. All right. The next one is establish a goal within a goal. Yeah. So, you know, this saying of like, how do you eat an elephant? It's like one bite at a time, right? It's like, you look at this grandiose vision of running a hundred kilometers. And to me, it's like mentally that seems daunting. But if I can break this down into, you know, 10, 10 Ks, I know I can run a 10 K. So let me just focus on that and just take that first step to run the first 10 K and then reassess. And it's like, whatever you've accomplished is already behind you. So breaking it up into chunks narrows your, your thought, their like thought capacity of like this daunting vision, right. of like accomplishing this big thing. And it focuses on doing things, you know, you can already do. And then they eventually amalgamate into a bigger peak, a bigger picture. I love that. And then last one is share the moment. Yeah. To me, I think that's the most important. Um, the, the best memories that I've ever created aren't by myself, you know, they're with people around me. And I think when you can do something and share it with people, it just becomes kind of eternal or like timeless. And it's something that you can look back on and, and remember and laugh about and share with and becomes a bit more special. Um, and 
I think ultimately, you know, a lot of people get the success of, you know, achieving what they've achieved or the title, but it takes so many people along the way to help you get there and just sharing the appreciation, sharing, sharing the moment, like helps, helps absorb that. And then the, the, the second kind of thought on that is like, you know, share it to social and you share it because you never know who's going to reach it. You know, like if I didn't share it to LinkedIn, you and I might not have had this conversation right now. And I was always like, who am I to share anything in this world? Like I haven't accomplished anything compared to so many people. And it's like, I think you can learn something from anybody. So, you know, put the ego aside and, and be willing to share what you've learned because it might help somebody achieve something that they want to achieve too. I love that. I think that's, that's a really important lesson, especially that last part, because I think a lot of people are scared to like share their story or their accomplishments or their failures or anything like that on, you know, publicly or even like with their friends and their family, because they're worried, like, who am I, like this other person did this crazier thing, or this other person has it worse or whatever it is. But like you and I could do the exact same thing, but someone might resonate more with you doing it because they have a similar background or, you know, the way you shared it versus when I did it or in some, they could be different in different cases. Right. And so like, I think ever there's just more voices and having more people to relate to and like resonate with is to me, like only a positive thing. 100%. So uh, I'm actually, actually, I'm curious before you move on from that hundred kilometer run. Um, yeah. cause I not last winter, but the winter before I did a hundred kilometer cross country ski. And I want to know, did you experience like an insane brain fog the day after? Cause personally it took me like mentally to recover was much harder. It was like the next day physically was rough, but then I was fine. But it was like mentally you took a little, little bit of time. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think like, yeah, you're so, you know, you're so dialed in and your brain is in overdrive that it's like, you know, it, it's like going a hundred miles an hour into a brick wall. It's like, eventually you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna sit there and be like, Oh, like I'm, I'm exhausted. Um, I honestly can't remember my, my next day, but <laughs> I think like the feeling was, wow, like, did we really just do that? And it was like a shared feeling back to sharing the moment. Like it was my brother and I, and I couldn't have done it if he wasn't there. I don't think like, you know, we, there was moments where he was struggling and I helped him and then I was strong and he helped me. But yeah, the next day it was like, wow, did we, did we do that? Like, that's awesome. And, um, we learned a lot about ourselves and what, what's possible. And, um, yeah, but I can talk more recently about kind of the whole brain fog thing. And, um, I've definitely experienced that after the last Ironman. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why, to be honest, but I think, you know, this, this kind of like overdrive of emotion has kind of hit me of you accomplish something you set up and work hard, so hard for, for two years. And, um, you know, you're physically exhausted, you're getting on the plane the next day and trying to travel back to, to Canada. And it's like, oh man, I, I just need like a week to, to process everything. And I think I'm still recovering from, from it, but yeah, it's definitely a real thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, I I know definitely like, you know, post-competition or a lot of people have that experience of like the mental side recovery is, it just takes a while because yeah, there's that whole emotional buildup. And then you're like, so on to this one goal for whatever period of time it is, whether it's a day, a week, two years, five years. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now what, which leads me into my next question, which I'm sure you get asked a lot, but do you have like a next challenge or a next goal plan? Like what's next for you? Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the biggest question. <laughs> um, I do, I do have a, a goal, but right now I'm, um, I'm actually writing a book, um, and more, you know, it's not the next Harry Potter, but it's just, a. <laughs> it's actually called all in. And oh, the sorry. idea is to go all in on something. And to me, it was this Ironman journey and talks about kind of, you know, all the ups and downs that went through it and, you know, getting, Omicron and being patient zero and stuck in Africa to my bike, you know, being sent to Korea when my race was supposed to be in the Philippines and having to force a new bike and just all the the mental and physical and emotional hurdles that kind of went through. But um, yeah, so I'm just trying to process everything and take the time to have something that I can look back on and remember and, um, you know, maybe give to a few people in the future of the lessons that I learned um, that impacted me and and maybe it can help them in some kind of way. But uh, to answer your question of what's next, I, I do have my eyes um, set on Antarctica. Um, So, you know, doing the six continents was an incredible challenge and extremely rewarding. Um, but yeah, I think there's one continent left and I'd be kicking myself if I, if I didn't make it there. So, uh, still, still time to sort out all the details, but I I am planning an expedition there in 2024. That's super cool. Have you seen like the project Iceman? Yeah. 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 So he's, um, I'm excited to watch the documentary that's going to come out soon, but been following his journey for some time now. And I think there, there might be room for, you know, one more Canadian to, to do something similar. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I love the whole concept of a book. I'm excited to read it. I, another question I want to ask you looking back on your journey, instead of like, you know, what accomplishments are you the most proud of or like results? I think it's a big thing that we talk about on the pro on the podcast is like focusing on that process and, you know, tying your identity more to like who you're becoming and who you are rather than what you do. So what are you the most proud of, of like the traits that you acquired or worked on throughout the process? Like who, like, who did you become through this process of the last two years? Yeah, I think, um, you, you kind of become, you know, uh, a product of everyone that's touched you. So to me, like, you know, I think about the five people that have impacted me the most on this journey and a couple of them, you know, John Rag and Elizabeth Modal and, uh, John, you know, at my first race, he, he heard about what I was doing and we went for a bike ride and he came with a stack of books of triathlon and all the things he's highlighted around his journey. And I was like, like, why, why would he do something like this? You know, like he has, he has no business. He's just like another little kid saying that, he has this grand vision to do this thing. And he's like, you know, how many people say they're going to do something and don't do it? Like, why, why did he think that I would do it? I think to me, it's like taking that lesson and being a John to somebody else of if somebody reaches out to me, like I 
more than happily help wherever I could. And I think it's doing it from a point of not expecting anything in return. You don't need anything in return, but just paying it forward. So just kind of when you ask me like who I'm becoming, I think becoming somebody that wants to help others achieve something um, is important to me and something that I've discovered. Two is um, living an intentional life, I think is, is super valuable to me. So what I've discovered is that I set out an intention and wake up each day with a purpose that drives it. So having something that I look forward to makes me do meaningful work. Um, so I think when I'm thinking about who I'm becoming is somebody that's going to live an intentional life and, you know, not just take a job to pay my bills, but take something that is going to make an impact and get me excited to, to wake up each day. I love that. That's a, a yeah, I, a great answer. I have a, one of the questions that I ask everyone at the end, I feel like it's, it's probably going to uh, get a similar answer, but we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. I have one last question before we get to those ones, which is if there's somebody who's listening to this right now and they're like, okay, I've, I've had this goal and it's something like I want to do. Maybe it's something that's not necessarily been done before, or like currently seems out of their reach. What advice would you give to them? I'd say tell five of your, tell five of your closest friends and five people you've never met before. Um, I think the, the more you can vocalize it, the scarier it becomes, but the more, more tangible it becomes. And, you know, you're now holding yourself accountable to other people. And I think the, the underlying message of that is like, go and do the thing you said you would do. You know, it's like a, a really good lesson that, is, is a character trait that you want to, you know, uphold as a person, but vocalize what's important to you. And I think the world works in a funny way where people want to help you achieve it. So maybe you have this crazy idea that nobody's ever done or have done, and you want to beat it, tell five people, you know, and some of them might laugh at you, but some of them might say, you know, do that and surround yourself with people that say, do that and say five people you've never met and see what their reaction is and, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but find the people that encourage you to do it. And, and those are the people you want in your circle. Hmm. Great advice. I love that. All right. So there's three questions I ask everybody at the end of the episode. The first one is out of all your daily habits, what is the single biggest game changer for you? That's a great one. Um, oh, I think, um, I think, waking up on your first alarm, uh, you know, it's so, it's so basic, but, um, instead of planning to snooze for 10, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it might be, um, just wake up right on the first one. And one of the things that I've read about and has helped me is this kind of five second rule. So as soon as your alarm goes off, instead of turning it off right away, you count to five and you got five, four, three, two, one, and then you get up. And, uh, I think that just kind of helps get you up and at it. Awesome. All right. The next one, this is the one I said, maybe you kind of answered it a little bit with, you know, the process of who you became throughout this journey, which is let's picture yourself. You're at the end of your life. However long that might be, you're looking back on everything you've done. What is that impact that you wanted to have made? Yeah, it's a good, that's a big question. It's going to always be evolving, but for the time being is be somebody that was a doer and a dreamer. Um, you know, whatever I end up becoming, like just somebody that went 
and did it and, and, you know, talked about it, but did it and, and not just talked about it and never did. So I hope that the impact from that is that more people, and I think the world needs more people to lean in on their dreams and chase those wild ideas. And, um, along the way you just become, you, you just, you're, it's like a really good process of self-discovery when you take the path that's kind of unknown. I love it. Last one is what does the phrase all in mean to you? Yeah. All in to me is, you know, focusing on your life resume and not your paper resume, you know, do the things that ignite your soul and, um, that you would do if money wasn't, wasn't a, a thing in this world. Um, and pick that and and show up each day to get after it. I love that. Well, I follow you on LinkedIn. I think that's that's where we first connected. I just followed you before this episode on Instagram. So where can we send people to follow your journey so that they can stay tuned when the book drops and like see your next adventures as well as like go back and go over, you know, I know we touched on some of the posts that you did, but there's some other great ones and reflections that people can go through basically the their whole journey over this past couple of years. Yeah, uh, LinkedIn or Instagram are great. So I'm just at Connor Emini, and um, if they want to reach out to me, I'll I'll be sure to respond to them. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. I really look forward to the book. Maybe we'll have to have you on again when it drops, as I'm sure there'll be some really cool stories that you you shared a a couple teasers of them here, and especially because it's called All In, so we'll definitely have to uh, have to promote it when it comes out. So again, appreciate you for taking the time and for sharing your story and for being an inspiration of going all in on your dreams. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Natalie. Really, uh, really appreciate the time and the thoughtful questions. If you like the podcast, the best way to support it is to leave a review and share it with a friend. Truly leaving a written review, letting us know what you liked and want more of, and sharing the podcast so more people can benefit is the best gift you could possibly give us. Thanks again for listening. I'm so grateful for your support, and I'll catch you on the next one.